What's up? It's Andy Grammer with Jag. Hi, this is Carly Rae Jepsen, and you're listening to Jag. Hey, everybody. It's Joe Jonas hanging with Jag. This is Heather Knox with the hottest Jag I've ever seen. Ryan Seacrest with Jag. It's B.O.B. checking in with my homie Jag. So much swag with my homie Jag. It's the Jag Show Podcast. Welcome in. I am John Jagay. My guest today needs no introduction in podcast circles, but I'll introduce him anyway. Rob Greenlee is the Vice President of Content and Partnerships at Libsyn and is chair of the Podcast Academy, which has come together over the last few months. We're going to spend a lot of time on that in a bit. Welcome, Rob. Thank you so much for being here. It's great to be here, John. Thanks for the invite. So first, let me ask you about the overall state of podcasting in general. Prior to the Podcast Academy and Libsyn, you were with VoxNest, Spreaker, Podcast One, so many more. As someone who's been in the business at these very high levels for a long time, if you could zoom out, where would you say we're at right now in 2020 with podcasting? Oh, I think it's just, it's been an evolution. I know a lot of newer people, I think, getting into the podcast medium see what's been happening over the last uh, couple of years or whatever and think that things are just exploding, you know. And to some degree, that's true. But if you look at the timeline of podcasting, what's been happening here more recently is is a little bit unusual, but in some ways, it's a continuation of steady growth. So, you know, on the content side and on the listening side, we've been steadily growing 3 to 4% every year. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think over the last couple of years, maybe it's clipped up you know, a percentage or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just been steady growth. You know, the earlier days of the medium, I mean, a lot of what was going on in the podcasting space wasn't, I mean, there wasn't a lot of volume of things going on. The, the amount of listeners were relatively small. The amount of content was relatively small. So things were building. And I just saw this revolution that was coming to radio experiences with podcasting and, you know, shifting more to on-demand because we saw it in all the other mediums, right? Yeah. Movies, TV, music, all this stuff shifting to on-demand. And radio just hadn't got there yet, really, at the end of the day. It was still a lot of linear streaming, a lot of those type of experiences. So podcasting is kind of taking its place in history of sorts right now and being an on-demand medium, which is what the internet has really transformed all mediums up to this point, just that audio is a little bit of a laggard on this one. And a lot of reason that it is a little bit of a laggard is because of what we saw starting in about 2007 with the social media platforms. Mm-hmm. That kind of took a lot of attention away from podcasting as social media started to explode and become viral and, and spread. It kind of took attention away. But now what we're seeing with the social media platforms is that they're not uh, looked on as favorably as they did back then. And, and now, guess what? Podcasting is the next big thing that everybody's looking at now. And it's really for good reason. It's a safe medium for advertisers. It's a safe medium for listeners. Uh, it's got a lot of scale, and it's just expanding globally right now, and more people are getting involved in it. So it's an exciting time. What do you mean by safe? I think generally it's content safe. I don't think there's as much... Um, manipulation going on. I think that there's fairly accurate information in the podcasting space being shared. I mean, sure, there's different genres and different opinions that come into the podcasting space, but I don't believe that it's as what would use the term quite as toxic as the social media platforms have evolved into. Uh, I'm hoping that doesn't happen in podcasting, but um, (laughs) it does seem like it's a safer, it's a more authentic medium. It's easier to verify and to see what's true and what's not in this medium. And I think we're also seeing a shift more over to podcasters doing a little more video because podcasting started supporting video as well. I mean, that's what they call video podcasting. 
which wasn't on YouTube because when it started, YouTube didn't exist. So a big part of podcasting was video in the early days. That's an interesting thing that you mentioned, Rob, because I think there's a lot of... Uh, not to say conflict, that's too strong of a word, but there's some discussion about video and YouTube for podcasting. There are the podcasting purists that say, oh, if it's a video, it's not a podcast. And why are you bothering to put your podcast on YouTube? It should be a pure audio medium. I've never been a fan of people just pasting their audio content with a static image onto YouTube and saying, now I have a video. But (laughs) what is your sense for where video has a place in podcasting? Well, I think it's just like what we're doing here. I think this is a classic example of a video program that's really focused on creating quality audio. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the juxtaposition here. I think a lot of people produce video because that's their primary focus, right? They don't have these things in their face. They kind of get rid of them. (laughs) But when you're focused on creating quality audio content, because that's your primary listenership is on the audio side, you get $400 microphones like these Shure SM7Bs that have terrific sound. A lot of radio broadcasters use these. You're seeing like Howard Stern type people using these type of microphones and they become very popular because they have strong rear rejection. People are talking in front of, you know, big flat screen devices that can have audio bounce back. So there's reasons for these type of microphones in the podcasting space. But when you're doing video, it's probably not as sexy of a watching experience. Yeah. And it's not as cool, maybe, but um, in some ways, when you're a medium that's the primary focus is audio, it's the right thing to do. I think I think lavaliers are okay, but you tend to have a little bit of um, not as best of quality of sound. I actually have a lavalier, and I'm debating whether or not I'm ever going to use it. <laughs> I do as well. I want to come back to something you said a second ago about radio, because I was a radio DJ for 15 years before I got into podcasting. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned radio coming around doing some podcasting stuff. What's the difference between a radio station that copy-pastes a morning show bit and says, hey, it's a podcast, versus those that are creating unique content for the podcasting audience? Well, I think it really cuts to the chase of what podcasting is really all about. It's a unique medium. It's not a redistribution of um, other forms of media. Its sweet spot is its own unique content creation. So that's what you're starting to see with a lot of these radio networks is they're realizing that because they're not aggregating big audiences by just repurposing their broadcast content because it is a different medium, right? Radio tends to be a tune-in type of experience because people are listening in the car and there's a lot of commercials. There's a lot, you know, segments tend to be shorter, mm-hmm. eight to 10 minute segments. And then there's a commercial break. Which is now sometimes another eight to 10 minutes. Well, yeah, and I was in radio and did the same thing. I mm-hmm. had a nationally syndicated radio show for many years yep. and that's how I started in podcasting. But what I found is I needed to strip out some of those ads because it was just too much advertising too. So you have a little bit of a different culture between those two mediums too. And the content's different. The content on radio tends to be a little shorter. Podcasting tends to be longer. Mm-hmm. It's hard to make those things fit together seamlessly. So Understood. So speaking of radio, we've seen a lot of folks get into the podcasting space. We've seen iHeart make huge strides and NPR has been in right. it for a long time. CBS now Entercom with Radio.com and, and all of these different things. Yep. And then you see these uh, giants like Spotify coming in and Stitcher just being sold to SiriusXM. With all these big ginormous media conglomerates involved, I think a lot of people are wondering, is there still room for the little guy, the independent podcaster? What's your take on that, Rob? That's the eternal question, right? I mean, whenever you see industries like this consolidate around media, you th- that's the obvious next question, right? Is it becoming a big media business, right? And that has a history, and we've seen it play out in music and other forms of media. 
that the little guy does kind of get pushed out a little bit. And I think that that's counterculture to podcasting and where mm-hmm. it started, uh, what the history of it is and what the culture of it is. And truly the reality of the medium right now is that about, I would say half of the listener base, and this is recent research coming out of the Edison side of things around audience reach, is about half of the podcast audience out there is listening to independent podcasts versus coming out of bigger media. So bigger media is taking a bigger chunk. And when I do talk about bigger media, I'm talking about, you know, like National Public Radio and those type of productions, right? Um, iHeartRadio. There's others out there that are kind of in the similar type of bigger company type of podcast. Now, it's, sometimes it's hard to slice and dice between what an indie is and what a big company network podcast is. So there's a lot of kind of gray area between this. But as far as audience reach, you know, the independent side is still half or more than half of the listening audience is at least having a certain amount of independent podcasts as part of their podcast diet that they spend time with. So given that, we have to look at this medium as a balanced medium. There's big budgets in here and there's smaller budgets in here that are producing quality content too that are reaching significant audience. And if I look at Lipson, we host about 69,000 podcasts, um, you know, at the full end of the spectrum, right? From the biggest shows in the world, which we currently host the Joe Rogan Experience Mm -hmm. podcast, which gets billions of downloads. I would not consider it to be, or at least its history, to be a big company podcast it's been an independent podcast now sure it just did a deal with spotify that maybe puts it in the realm of a big company podcast (laughs) as you look to the future so it's creating a lot of discussion around you know how podcasters get paid for their time and effort and that's been a situation in radio for many years is that most radio producers make some money from the content that they produce Um, not everyone but some Radio content producers actually have to pay to be on the air, but sure. that's a whole other separate discussion. But yeah, I think the industry is kind of evolving into all sorts of models here. With that in mind, you know, this, how do I make money podcasting? And I always tell a client that if I, you're not going to make money out of the gate podcasting, worry about the content, use it as a marketing tool, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But do you have a sense for how these different avenues may or may not come together in the coming years, whether it's advertising revenue, whether it's sponsorship, whether it's donations. I feel like there are all these different streams of revenue for podcasters. Mm -hmm. Do you see one or one being more or less than another as we go forward? Well, I would say that the vast majority of podcasters and podcasts don't care about advertising. Right. So that's kind of set the stage based on that. Um, There is a certain chunk of the podcast community that cares about advertising. There's a certain chunk that cares about donation models. And there's a certain part that really makes money from other things that they offer during their podcast, which would be like masterminds or, Mm -hmm. you know, educational things, uh, selling books, selling trainings. There's a lot of business models involved. And then there's even the branded podcasts, which are done by companies like Trader Joe's or that are supporting their connections with their customer base around their brand and, and what that brand means to their customers and supporting those initiatives that they have at the company. And those drive a lot of value to the brand and to the company as well. And typically those shows won't make any money from revenue on advertising, but they may, you know, who knows, over time, there may be opportunities for them to get donations to support the podcast, but maybe those customers feel like they're supporting the podcast by shopping at Trader Joe's. So 
that's the spectrum that this medium has. I think donation models have a big play here. And I think one of the debates that's happening right now is, is that with the big companies aggregating podcast content and wanting to potentially get involved in advertising in those shows uh, on those platforms separately from the content host platforms like Lipson putting the ads in, is that somehow that may challenge donation models and make those less advantageous or capable to scale. So there's a lot of complex issues in dynamic ad insertion, programmatic ad buying, which tends to drive lower revenue numbers. And host reads or baked-in advertising has always been the the real key breadwinner for the podcasting industry. That radio DJ live read that you and I know from our former right. lives. Absolutely, right. absolutely. Right. Last question before I get to the Podcast Academy, and that is... COVID-19 and the effect that has had on podcasting. I've seen so much conflicting data over the last several months. The sense that I have right now, and I want you to correct me if I'm wrong here, is that it shifted listening to later in the day because people don't have a morning commute if they're working Mm -hmm. from home, and that desktop listening did go up a few ticks because Mm -hmm. people are listening, but not significant, but a little bit. So tell me what your sense is for, and I know we're recording this on July 16th and things change by the day and by the week, but over the last four or five months, what your sense is for the effect, if any, that COVID has had on podcasting? Well, I think it has opened up some opportunities for podcasting on the listener side because people are listening to less radio because they're spending less time in the car. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it has accelerated the decline on listening on the radio side. I think you're seeing a lot of the big radio groups start to you know, have some struggles right now. Because I mean, a lot of those radio groups are funded by local advertising and local right. advertising has been under threat. So I think there's a benefit there. But I do think that the other thing that we've seen is with people having so much spare time being at home locked away that they've felt an urge to be a content creator and creating new podcasts. Over the last three months, we've seen the growth in new podcasts uh, reach levels we've never seen before in the 16-year history of this medium. I think the going back to April, May, June, uh, we were seeing close to 100,000 new podcasts every month. Mm-hmm. and. Prior to that, we were growing at a probably around 15,000 a month. Uh, so you can see that's a significant uptick. And then for a few of those months, we saw a decline on many of the platforms on the listener side, as much as 5 to 13% on the listener side going down. Mm-hmm. So it's an opportunity, I think, for podcasting. And I think in combination with what's going on with the social media platforms right now, it's just an opportunity. To grow. Fair enough. So I asked you on the show on the premise that we were talking about the Podcast Academy, which I want to get to now. And thank you for indulging me in my general questions about the podcast industry. But tell me about the Podcast Academy, the idea behind it, how it came together, how it got started. I want to know everything about it. Well, um, I wasn't really with the organization when it was kind of pulled together and formed. That was a project that Hernan Lopez was kind of initiating. He's the CEO of Wondery. Mm-hmm. I joined the board back in uh, March and started getting involved, going to their meetings in New York and and things like that, trying to help the process. Because the podcast community was kind of a little bit um, spun up about some of the messages that were coming out from the organization. So Mm -hmm. around its recognition of what's happened in the past with podcasting and the indie side. So 
I got involved with the academy and subsequent events happened where I kind of got selected to be the chairperson of the organization. And really, honestly, the chairperson is really just the guy that runs the board meetings. Um, (laughs) But it does kind of put me in a spokesperson role for the academy as well to talk about the academy. That was the role that Hernan had uh, prior but that's what's happening with it. We have launched membership mm-hmm. in joining the Podcast Academy. That launched on June 22nd. So it's like $50 a year right now to join until the end of August. And then it goes up to $100. But to talk about what the purpose of the organization is, is the core of it, similar to the Academy Awards or the Grammys or whatever, we're trying to put together an awards kind of organization that will reward excellence in all aspects of podcasting, whether it be shows, hosts, genres, the production, the editing, screenwriting around fictional podcasts. I mean, we're trying to build an organization that is based on education, helping people cross-learn about how to improve their production skills, their hosting skills, all those kinds of things. And that's really what the core of it is today. Now, granted, the opportunity to do more with this organization around standard best practices, standards, especially when you start getting into education Mm -hmm. and helping um, move the industry forward in a positive direction around skills development. As as this industry becomes a little bit more commercial, there's more people coming into this medium that aren't talking on a microphone uh, ever before. So those people need to be supported too, and that's what this organization is uh, working to accomplish. Plus, we also have a mentorship program too that members can get matched up with other people in the industry that have maybe more advanced or more experience that can help them along and improve. So we're open to really a lot of ideas coming globally as well. This is a global project as well. So we're going to be working with people outside of the U.S. as well. It's just not a U.S.-centric thing because podcasting is not a U.S.-centric thing. Right. So we want to embrace the whole world, which is a big challenge. We're a fairly small team, but you know we do have a staff Um, part-time staff that's working on this project to kind of pull it together and keep it running, keep the lights on and process those new memberships and set up webinars and, and educational activities and work on the meetings and work on minutes and work, you know, all those things that you have to do to operate a legitimate um, nonprofit, which is what we are. So this is not a for-profit organization. We're here to service the members, which is the industry. I love the idea at some point of maybe having a little like a Grammy on my mantle, like maybe an award from the Podcast Academy. But uh, but to your point, the much bigger issue here is the education and getting people right. up to speed in the industry. You mentioned webinars and there's white papers and uh, mentorship and so many right. of these things. I feel like there's a lot out there in terms of webinars and white papers and stuff when it comes to podcasting. God knows I post enough about podcasting on Facebook that I get Facebook ads up the wazoo for check out my one-on-one on how to be a great podcaster and blah, 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 blah. What makes this venture unique in terms of the breadth of knowledge that you're offering? Is it just the people that are involved with it? Yeah, I would say that uh, we have a very good process for kind of vetting this stuff and Mm -hmm. to make sure that what's being put on is the highest quality uh, recommendations and advice. You know, I think that there's been a history in the medium of a lot of people putting on educational stuff, but sharing maybe not the best of information about what to do, just because maybe those that are sharing it don't have a lot of experience at doing it. That's kind of bad to when podcasting is kind of the wild, wild west and not a lot of industry standard stuff. Right. And that's, you know, best practices and, and how to actually do this stuff that actually works. 
uh, and talking with people that are successful and getting those people talking to the community versus just anybody that wants to launch a, a mastermind or a, an educational program. I mean, I think having people that have credibility and have experience and have a track record, I think is important in sharing. I know a lot of the podcast hosting platforms have been crying about this for many years. Uh, how many times, you know, the advice that's out there is not good advice and people in the industry have to go in and fix things or kind of correct the misperceptions. My sister's <laughs> brother's cousin's boyfriend's roommate told me that this is what right, he does with his right. podcast. So this is the way I need to do it too. Right. And though there's a place for that, I don't want to discourage people from wanting to learn and wanting to develop their skills and then share it with others, because that really is the backbone of this industry, is leaders in the industry really kind of taking a leadership role, and I want to encourage that. And those are the kind of people that I want involved in the academy, too, is those that have that experience and want to share it and have a passion for it and want to do it in a really, really helpful and authentic way. In the beginning, you had, as a requirement, asked for letters of recommendation, <laughs> yeah. but you've relaxed that requirement. What was the thought there? That requirement certainly wasn't something that I thought was a terrific idea by any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> um, but that was a decision that came out of trying to look at how the Academy Awards or the Grammys work mm -hmm. and those type of organizations which have a different culture than this podcasting space has and saying, well, you know, we, you know, it gets back to what I was just saying earlier about verifying that people that are joining the Academy are good quality people that have good skills and that has been vetted, right? And there's some basis to having them involved and them sharing that information. And I think that's really the key to that is to build that type of trust in the organization, right? How important was it to you, Rob, to get the buy-in of folks like Stitcher and iHeart and Wondery and PRX as sponsors for the Podcast Academy? Did that help your cause? Well, it's not so much that they're sponsors, so I, I want to make this pretty clear because it's an important thing for, I think, the community to really understand. Is okay. This is a member organization. It's not an organization that's funded um, necessarily by corporations. So th there are no membership-related sponsors of the organization, per se. Now, I need to caveat that by saying that each of the board members has committed to contributing a certain amount of cash to the, the kitty to pay for the staff and to get it off the ground, right? Okay. So that doesn't make us, um, our companies, necessarily sponsors of it, mm -hmm. though we are displaying logos on the page that make it look like this organization is legitimate from NPR and Stitcher and these other larger companies. But those are individual memberships. So I had to join like any other member. Okay. And I'm a volunteer, so I'm not getting paid to do any of this stuff uh, for the academy. But I, I'm just trying to lead and hopefully bring my many years of experience in this medium, understanding the culture, and to kind of help marshal this along and keep a balance between the influence that bigger companies can have over industries with the independent creators. And I mean, it's, it's a difficult balance because as you do need money to build something like this, you can't, you know, just build it out of thin air and a lot of wishful thinking and volunteers necessarily because people are busy and people don't have a lot of time to volunteer. I mean, even the board of governors doesn't spend a, a lot of time on this. It's more of an advisory group, mm -hmm. though I spend a lot more time on it just because I'm, you know, I'm trying to somewhat manage the staff to some degree about what's going on in the organization and foster communications across the organization. But it's, 
definitely uh, not a corporate deal, but there will be opportunities at some of the Academy's events in the future for companies to sponsor those events, but they're not sponsoring the organization. Got it. So as we start to wind down here, Rob, so I am a podcast editor and producer. I create branded podcasts for companies here in Detroit. Mm -hmm. And I also, of course, host my own podcast here about podcasting. And I've got a $50 bill in my hand that I'm thinking, you know what, I'm I'm thinking about this podcast academy and I run into you in an elevator. Give me your elevator pitch for it. Well, I would just join it because uh, we need to bring this industry together. I mean, I think that there are some examples of that happening to some degree, like the big conferences like PodFest or Podcast Movement. The She Podcasts group Mm -hmm. has been able to pull together um, large segments of the podcasting medium together to talk to each other and and have some level of collaboration. But I don't believe that there's been any organization that's really been successfully launched that um, aggregated the whole industry together across all of its various groups that exist on a global scale. And that's the big reason is we all need to band together and because there may be choices that we all need to make about uh, our content in the future Mm -hmm. and that is going to require us to have pathways of communication and be involved in um, these decisions, being able to vote on things that the industry wants to put forth, whether it's changes to the RSS spec or, or advertising method changes. Um, and then the awards. I mean, how do we reward excellence? I mean, I'm looking at trying to bring in as many elements from the past, as well as, as we look to the future, you know, like the hall of fame and the you know, like maybe a listener-centric awards, right? So listeners can get in and vote for their favorite podcast, not just the Academy members. So there's a bunch of things that can come out of this. Now, what an individual podcaster gets out of being a part of it would be access to educational programs that they can really trust and rely on and a mentorship program. And it's really up to the members to tell us what they want beyond that, right? Because we're starting out fairly simple, but it's kind of up to the members to drive this. And in about a year, year and a half or so, there's going to be a a new board of governors. Mm -hmm. And the member community is going to vote that in. Beyond my term here, there's going to be a whole new set of people that can take a leadership position in this and shape this the way they would like to shape it. I've got to imagine from your early days in the beginning of podcasting, Rob, where it was kind of the wild, wild west and everybody was off doing their own thing. And now you're looking at this great opportunity to bring everybody together and get some uniformity to it and the strength in numbers kind of thing. That's got to be Mm -hmm. quite rewarding to look at where the industry was and where it is now. I mean, in the early days of this, you know, back when I started podcasting in 2004, I mean, it, it was just a small group of folks that were really kind of technologists really is is who started this. I mean, if you look at Adam Curry, sure, he was a VJ on on the MTV platform back in the 80s, but he's really a geek. I mean, if you really sum Adam down. So that's where this came from. It was basically a group of geeks like myself. I did a, a radio show called the Web Talk World Radio Show, and it was about the growth of the internet and the web back in the early days, back in starting in 1999. And so... That's where this came from. And, and over the years, it's been a bunch of white old guys, you know, that have been doing podcasting. And now it's, 
a lot of women, a lot of, you know, a lot of other races and ethnicities all around the world that are getting involved in podcasting now. So it's really grown up and it's a reflection of the world now more than ever. And that's, that's really exciting to see. I mean, there's more women creating new shows now than men. So you just go through the list of how this, this medium has really kind of blossomed and it's pretty impressive. Even for me, just in being involved in a couple of years, I believe it would have been this week would have been my third podcast movement. Just seeing the difference between Philadelphia two years ago to Orlando last year to where we are now in terms of the demographics of who's walking around the hallways at podcast movement. I couldn't agree with you more. It's been great to see the yep. diversity. And like you said, not a bunch of old white guys. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, back then, all those old white guys were a little younger than they are now. <laughs> Fair enough. On that note, Rob Greenlee from Libsyn and from the Podcast Academy, really can't thank you enough for taking some time with us today. Really appreciate it. Well, John, thank you so much for having me on your show, and good luck with your show, too. And I look forward to seeing you join the Podcast Academy. <laughs> I will uh, be on online very soon. Thank you very much, okay. Rob. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Jag Show Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe in Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes are published every Tuesday and Friday morning. For help with your podcast, find JAG on social media at JAG in Detroit or on the web at jagindetroit.com.